Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Bring your Bible to church. Why don't you grab it and open with me to Psalm 50. We're going to be reading that together this morning. Psalm 50, verse 23. This is what it says. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me, says the Lord. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. I want to preach a message today. I'm going to seize the moment this week. I want to preach a message with this title, The Attitude of Gratitude. Okay, The Attitude of Gratitude. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, as always, we're grateful to be in your house. Lord, we just are so thankful this time of year. But Father, I just thank you that there's not a weekend that goes by but we don't get a moment to just thank you. When we're in your house, when we're in your presence, Lord, when we're remembering the things you've done, when we're reflecting on who you are, how great you are, God, we're just grateful. Grateful for Jesus, grateful for your church, churches that are meeting all over this nation today. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in your house, God. We just pray for a word today. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to sit in church and for it to be routine, but every single time, Lord, can be brand new, can be different, can change us. And so, God, we pray to that end today. We pray for colonial kids that it would be the same for them, for it to be an as it is in heaven Sunday for kids. In Jesus' name, we all said, how a great attitude or an attitude of gratitude sets you up as a believer. That's what I want to talk about today. One of the best qualities in a believer is an attitude of gratitude. Someone's attitude is only really discovered under pressure. When you think about it, when the challenge comes, when the test comes, attitude is truly revealed to us by challenge, by pressure, by a tough time. I mean, I can kind of sugarcoat my way through, but when I get pressed down in a moment, That's when you're going to find out my true perspective on life. You're going to see my real faith. You're going to see my real attitude towards a situation or a person. When it's tested, when it's put to the test, that's when it's truly revealed. But I just want you to think about something when it comes to pressure. Pressure reveals the attitude, but then dependent upon how good the attitude is, It's only with that type of attitude, no matter what it is, will then actually help me get through to whatever I need to get through. It's kind of this closed loop. Pressure reveals attitude, but attitude determines how well I get through something. That's why it's so important that we have an attitude of gratitude, because it can set us up, it can frame our world, it can help us move forward. The truth is this, is that an attitude of gratitude or thanksgiving for us as believers, it's not just a weekend or a week in a year, it's supposed to be a lifestyle. We're supposed to live our lives with a heart 
of gratitude because it's a biblical trait. We see it all through Scripture. I just want to show this to you, but, it, but thanksgiving is actually a biblical thing, okay? Before we kind of got our hands on it and turned it in this commercial enterprise, <laughs> it's really a biblical thing, okay? And I love Thanksgiving. I'm not dissing it for a moment. I love it. I love it. it's a time to slow down, be with family, gather around. It's great. But it's actually supposed to be all through our lives because it's all through Scripture, Thanksgiving was, is actually something that's de- developed um, theologically. It develops through the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see it in Genesis, but we really see it revealed in Leviticus through the Levitical offering system for the people of God is there would be Thanksgiving offerings made to God to give thanks to God for His provision, to give thanks to God for His deliverance, to give thanks to God like we've been doing recently for His character, for who He is. And then it was also associated with meals and with worship. But the concept of thanksgiving evolves theologically through the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's made as a blessing, as, as a giving, as, as a bringing before God, an offering up, uh, an offering of thanksgiving. And in the Psalms, we see it individually and then also corporately. But then in the New Testament, thanksgiving is attached to grace. It's actually a grace thing. There's a spirit of thanksgiving, of grace that's on your life as a believer. And now all you have to do is express it. Isn't that powerful? That you don't have to work to be grateful. You don't have to, you don't have to force yourself. You don't have to, 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 to get yourself ready to be thankful. It's a grace that's put on you because you have Jesus. And in the New Testament, we see it over and over and over again. People in the New Testament offer thanksgiving to God in worship. That's why we sing songs at the front of our services at church. Because what we're doing is we're developing a heart of gratitude. Come on, somebody. We're worshiping God and we're saying, God, thank you. I'm reminding myself all over again of how great you are. I'm developing an attitude of gratitude. We see this in the New Testament, that thanksgiving to God, a heart of, a heart of gratitude towards God is expressed in worship. It's also expressed in individual prayer. It's also expressed at mealtime. It's one of the most important things that we do as a family before we, like, like we do not start a meal without saying, thank you, God, and teaching our children that, that everything we have comes from God, but it's not just on one specific day. It's every day, in every moment, in every time, in every season. So I just wanted to take a moment, talk a little bit about thanksgiving um, and having an attitude of thanksgiving or gratitude is a must-have for every believer. The truth is this. We're called to live not just one week a year thankful. We're called to live at every season of our lives. Thankful, grateful. Let me show you a few verses to show that to you. First Thessalonians 5.18, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, it's God's will for your life to be a grateful person. There's instruction here for us as believers that we can take this on, not just for a moment, for a period of time, but this is God's will for us all the time. And I just want to say something before we get into this a little bit further. It's okay to have a bad day, okay? If you're going through a tough, if you're going through a difficulty right now, can I just say it's okay? I'm talking about the spectrum of our lives. 
the, the, the totality of our lives, across the whole spectrum of our lives, that we're actually called to live thankful because this is God's will for our lives. Psalm 7 and verse 17 says, I will give, thank, I give to the Lord the thanks due His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. This morning, I wanted to give us five things about an attitude of gratitude that'll help us. And then I wanted to give us three people in the Bible that just had a good attitude, okay? Is that all right this morning? You with me? You're way too quiet. All right, number one, attitude of gratitude. Point number one is this. A great attitude or an attitude of gratitude always seems to find a way. This is, this is the important thing about understanding a great attitude, an attitude of gratitude. It always seems to find a way, a way to get through, a way to find a solution, a way to discover what God is doing. A great attitude, it always seems to find a way. It always seems to figure it out. The first person that I want to share that's got a great attitude that we see in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. See, the Apostle Paul, before he got saved, I mean, he should have had a great attitude. He, he had the pedigree. He had the experience. He had the name. He came from the right family. His dad was in business. I mean, he was set up. He, he was achieving. He was blessed. He was, he was doing all the right things. Then he got saved and things really went downhill. Let me show you an example. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul said this, We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. He goes on. He says, we are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. That is an attitude I want in my life. That it doesn't matter how bad it gets, I'm going to be okay. It doesn't matter how hard this might be. I'm going to find a way through this because God is with me. See, the Apostle Paul, he had a revelation that God was with him. He had a revelation that God had blessed him. He had a revelation that God was on his side. And if you just came to church today to hear me say this, God is on your side. So having a, an attitude that reflects that is actually easy. Once you have that revelation, our attitude is usually our first response. Let me ask you, what's yours? What kind of attitude do you have? Are you, are you a negative person? Are you closed off to God-given possibility? Are you immediately going for the worst possible outcome, always coming your way? I've met people like this, and it just doesn't matter what you say. They think it's always going to end up bad but I just want to encourage you that this is not the attitude of gratitude that God wants us to have. A bad attitude can sometimes be rooted in guilt and shame. And I personally, I want everyone to hear me say this, I'm personally waging war with guilt and shame in our church because it robs you of the potential that God has for you. It robs you of the blessing that He wants to give you. This is why. It's because you cut yourself off from God-given possibility. See, an attitude that's rooted in guilt and shame means you disqualify yourself from where God wants to take you. I'd love it if you could write this down. Where you've come from does not determine where you're going. 
Where you've come from in life does not determine where you're going. I'm going to say something strong, but you need to hear it. We either believe this or we don't. You either believe this or you don't. I either believe this or I don't. Because in 2 Corinthians, this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, listen to it, has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Where you've come from does not determine where you're going. The life that you lived until you met Jesus, the things that you did, the, the, the stuff that happened to you, the things that maybe you got involved in, the, maybe the things that you um, were part of your past. Can I just encourage you, you don't associate with that past anymore. And it does not determine what God has for you. And I believe that revelation can completely frame and change the world that we live in. So I wanted to give us some practical ways, okay? Practical ways for you and I to lift the altitude of our attitude. You ready? The first is this. Someone write this down. Watch the language of your life. You have to take inventory of your language. That's why it's good to be in a dinner party. That's why it's good to have Christian friends. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Even more than what you say, sometimes you have to keep watch over your tone the dialect, the, the edge. I've had to train myself in this. My wife has an amazing ability to train me in this. <laughs> Soften your edges, Maddie. Don't say it like that. In Australia, we, we just have, you know, Australians just typically are very to the point and can sometimes be a little too blunt. But one of the ways you can, I believe, lift your attitude and lift the altitude a little bit is to just watch the language and take inventory. I heard this once, and it's true when it comes to cynicism. Cynicism is the native tongue of a bitter spirit. It's the language of a bitter heart. If you're cynical all the time, there could be something rooted down in your heart that you need to address and you need to bring before the Lord and say, God, heal this. God, change this. I repent of this and let him deal with it. But we've got to watch the language. Another thing we can do is we've got to check our circle in life. The people around you have a profound impact on your attitude, often much more than we realize. Your overall perspective, your attitude of gratitude. Let me ask you, do you have negative people around you too much? Are there people that, that, that just bring a dark perspective instead of a light perspective, bring a negative perspective instead of a light perspective in your friendship circle? If you're sad all the time, the first thing you should do is look around you and be like, man, I'm spending some time with some pretty sad people. You know what I do sometimes is I just put on my favorite comedian. I just have a good old belly laugh with myself. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, in the book of Job, Job's this amazing guy. He's hard after the Lord. He gets turned over to Satan, goes through craziness. But he's got these three friends. In Job 2 verse 11, it says, When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort 
and console him. But listen to the comfort and consoling they did. It doesn't sound like much comfort or consoling to me. It says, when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. If I'm down, you better not come around to my house tearing robes and throwing dust in the air. I need you to come around and pick me up, somebody. I need you to come over and tell me a joke. I need you to come over and tell me that everything's going to be okay. Sometimes we've got to check our circle and realize, man, I need to change some things up. I need to delete some people from my social media. I need to, 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 to look at what's going on in my life. We have a mantra in, in the leadership circles of our church, which is this. I say this to the guys a lot. I say, show me your Peter, James, and John. Or another way, show me your Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. Show me the people around you because I want to see if they're picking you up or if they're putting you down. Let's check the circles and lift the attitude. The next thing we can do is we can review the table of our lives. I think sometimes it's good just to look at the table of our lives and look at how much you got going on. Are you overloaded? You know, doing too much can cause you to just feel like you can't do it all. And so therefore, that just produces a bad attitude sometimes because you don't have the energy, because you don't have the Sabbath, because you don't have the margin. Sometimes it's good to just review the table of our lives and say, enough's enough. I can't do all of this, but what I can do, I'm going to do well. What I can do, I'm going to give it my best. Review the table. And then I believe we're going to make changes if they're needed in our lives. I wonder if you're bold enough to make changes, to take steps that are needed, to maybe adjust the schedule of your life, to, to maybe book an appointment with that counselor you, you need to go see. We're all about counseling. There's one condition I put on that. Make sure it's Christian counseling. I, I want them to put this into you, not something that the world's spewing out in this generation. Let's be prepared to make changes, but Maybe you need to go see that counselor. Maybe you need to get into church a little more. You know, the statistics which I've shared before is 1.48 times a month, the average Christian in America goes to church. It's not enough. <laughs> You've got to be here because church is about a build up and not a beat down. Make changes if needed. So number one, a great attitude will make a way for me. It always seems to find a way. Number two, a great attitude always blesses other people. It always blesses other people. What I've noticed about people who have a great attitude is the people around them are better off. I got this friend, Eric, who lives in a different city. He's going through a significant health challenges. Uh, he's just a, a guy I really admire, talk to. Every couple of weeks, we check in. and When I talk to him on, a, on the phone, knowing the pain that he's going through, some days he can't, can't function because of the pain. He's got to, you know get on medication to lower the pain so he can just go to work each day and he's got all this stuff going on and I'm fully aware of it. We talk about it, but what blows me away when I talk to them is how blessed I am when I get off the phone. He's positive. He's always talking about how God's still blessing him. He's always talking about what God is doing in his life and the life of, of the people around him. But it challenges me and my attitude to understand that a great attitude blesses the world around me. Let me ask you a question. Are others better off because of your attitude? 
because of the way you navigate challenges and circumstances. I know for me in ministry, ministry is just hard enough as it is. I need people with a great attitude. We can do this. We can figure this out. It's going to be okay. We're going to get to the other side. A great attitude always blesses others. Number three, a great attitude has grace for people's mistakes. A great attitude has grace for other people's mistakes. Another reason that I love the attitude of gratitude is because it makes a way for other people and sometimes makes a way for other people to fail. We live in a time where it seems like there's an assault on young people. Have you noticed this? In the culture, it's like young people can't do this. Young people haven't been through that. Young people don't know how to work hard. Young millennials, Gen Z. I want our church and our community to have the kind of attitude towards young people where it's like, it's okay. They're going to figure it out. A great attitude, it, it, it gives grace. It, 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 it has a heart that says, you know what? It's going to work out. You're gonna, I'm so grateful. When I first came into church, man, I was so messed up. I had such a bad perspective. But there were people around me with such good attitudes that gave me the grace to figure it out. That's why I'm still here today. That's why I'm still in church today, because there were people that said, it's okay, he's going to figure it out. A great attitude always has grace for people's mistakes. It says things like, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. It's one of the things I want our church to be is a place where young people can grow up and not be put down constantly because they haven't figured it out yet. Let's be a people. Let's commit as a people to say, no, we want to have the attitude of gratitude towards people. So it makes grace for people. Number four, a great attitude calls people to a higher place. Person number two that we see in the Bible that has an amazing attitude is James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And in the book of James, the whole book of James is a call to a higher place. But let me show you one example. James 1 and verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, count it all joy. The pressure, the test, the stuff you're going through. What James is talking about here is persecution ending in death. He's talking about persecution. He's not talking about a bad email. He's talking about beheadings. He's talking about people being ripped out of their families. He's talking about people being separated completely because they love Jesus. But this is what he says. He says, count it all joy. He says, you can have a good attitude about this because there's something that God is doing through this. It's a steadfastness that's coming to full effect. It's a perfection of your faith that's leading to a better place. God is with you, is what James says. He knew what it looked like to be persecuted. He saw it with Jesus. He's seeing it in the early church. He's seeing the trials. He's saying, let's withstand the trials. Let's not just withstand it. Let's have joy in the middle of it. Let's have a good attitude about it. Let's have an attitude of gratitude. Can I just encourage you, if you're going through a tough time right now, this is the challenge today. Count it all joy. You're going through a tough time. I just want to challenge you in the days to come. Smile. 
face the trial with an attitude of gratitude. And you see the way God uses it. You see the way God perfects something in your life. You see the way that God takes your life and makes it count in Jesus' name. Listen to the way it says in the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trials of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, listen to this, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, sometimes I think we just, we don't count it all joy. We want to cut it off. We want to get it out of here. We just want to say, I don't want to go through this. I, I got such a bad attitude about it. I just want to get it behind me. But God say, no, leave it in front of you because it's going to bless you. It's going to help you. And I believe a great attitude always calls us to a higher place, a higher place to see God, a higher place to be blessed by God. And number five, the final thing about a great attitude is this. A great attitude, I believe, always glorifies God. Psalm 50, let's look at it again. Verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. In other words, an attitude of gratitude for a believer, this is ultimately what it does. This is the most important part. It gives Jesus all the glory. It gives Him the praise. Your attitude, your spirit, your perspective that says, I'm, I'm believing God's got so much more for me. I'm not cutting myself off from God-given possibility. You know what you do when you're doing that? You're saying, God, you have the glory in my life. You get all the glory. You get all the praise. You get everything from me. Because a great attitude ultimately glorifies God and points to Jesus. Jesus, which is a third person, had a great attitude. You know, Jesus was the most positive person that ever lived on the face of the planet. Even more than Tony Robbins or John Maxwell. Jesus exemplified for you and for me what thanksgiving looks like. He led the way with thanksgiving because he's our good shepherd. He always leads us as we should go. He prayed prayers that showed us an attitude of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude. He gave thanks for the way that God revealed himself to the world. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Luke 10 and verse 21. It says, In the same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. When he healed Lazarus, right before he did the miracle of healing, you know what he did? He thanked God. John 11, verse 41. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Maybe you're on the other side of a miracle. Can I just encourage you? Thank God. Thank God now. Give him thanks now. Give him a heart of gratitude now before you've even seen him do a single thing. Jesus gives us the example. And then finally, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, the last supper, what did he do? He thanked God. It's in Matthew 26, 26. Now they were eating, Jesus took bread after blessing it or giving thanks. He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And it says in verse 30, I love this. Look at what it says in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. 
thanksgiving and singing and offering our lives up to God. It's what we're called to do as believers. But I just want you to catch this. When Jesus gave thanks, when He instituted the Last Supper, when He he gave us the example of thanksgiving, what was He doing? He was giving thanks for the offering which was Himself. You talk about a great attitude. You talk about the attitude of gratitude that that, that exemplifies and gives us how we're supposed to live. He's literally thanking God that He's going to be the one that is the sacrifice that changes the game for you and for me, which means that forever and always we will have eternal life. He gave thanks for that. So what do we do? We get blown away. We're like, God, I... How could, I, how could I possibly live my life with a bad attitude? I mean, yeah, I'm not saying a bad day, but you, you get what I'm saying. How can I live my life with a bad attitude? Because of what you've done. And we get to live our lives as a continual thanksgiving offering to God in worship, in praise, in song, in prayer. Because it glorifies God. Would you stand with me? I'd love it if we could right now just bow our heads, close our eyes. And why don't you just now in your own way, just begin to give thanks. Just begin to develop that attitude of gratitude. Begin to say thank you, God. Come on, why don't you just start, just, you just start with your own words, just start telling, just saying thank you. Thank you for your family. Thank you for your job. Thank you for your business. Thank you for your wife. Thank you for your husband. Thank you for the life he's given you. Thank you for all that he's doing. Thank you for his faithfulness. God, we're so grateful for everything you're doing. Lord, help us to have an attitude of gratitude that reflects your grace reflects your mercy, reflects who you are to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.